in a series right now called What You Really Want. You know, we think we need all kinds of things, but what you really want. And the answer to that question is actually what we really want is peace in every area of our lives. We want family peace and financial peace. We want peace on our job. We want peace in our neighborhood. We just like to have some peace and some confidence in our lives and, and know that things are working out the right way. And that's exactly what Jesus promised us. Just before he left this planet, went back to be with the Father, he said this in John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 27, peace I leave with you. He says, my peace, that is the peace that Jesus had, the peace with the Father, uh, that he had the peace and confidence he had in God. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world's peace is conditional. God's peace is not based on conditions. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And what we've discovered is that in order to have God's peace, what we need is a right relationship with God and we need to learn how to do things God's way. And that's what we've been talking about because God designed us and so everything works better if we work in accordance with that design. The area of our lives that we've been discussing for the past few weeks has been family peace. Some of the principles that we've discovered up to this point are that there's a dynamic between what's ideal and what's real. You know, God lays down an ideal in Scripture, and we fall short of that ideal, but we can't give up on the ideal just because it's unattainable at least part of it is unattainable to us. And then we talked about that the key uh, to a great family is everybody serving each other based on this question, what can I do to help you? Easy question, right? The question that every family member, dad should ask mom, dad should ask kids, kids should ask dad, mom, all that kind of thing, back and forth. What can I do to help you? And we talked about conflict resolution last week. And just remind you of this, when you win an argument in the family, you didn't really win anything. You might have hurt yourself more than anything else. Uh, so winning an argument is not important in a family resolving conflict. That's what's important. And today we're going to approach uh, another area of the family where there's a lot of conflict. And that's raising children. Now, I know that most of you are not raising children. If you, many of you have already raised children. Some of you will be raising children in the future. Some of you have children who are raising children or who will be raising children. I like to talk about this because I love children. I love my kids when they were little. I love my grandchildren. I love the kids that are around here uh, in church. I just love kids and no job even comes close to being as important as properly raising your children. If you gain the whole world, and lose your children to Satan or to drugs or to rebellion or whatever, what have you gained? The psalmist said that children are our inheritance or our gift from God and that uh, his reward for us, his compensation for us being on this planet are the children that he gives us. Now, of course, I can't tell you everything about raising children because I don't know everything about raising children. I raised a couple with the help of a lady named Jean, but it uh, doesn't mean that I know everything. If I did know everything, I couldn't tell it to you in the next 30 minutes or so, but I will tell you that Jean and I have learned something about raising kids over the years based on the fact that 
coming up on March the 10th, we'll have been married for 47 years. So that gives us, you know, some credence right there, doesn't it? We've been parents for over 44 uh, of those years. We've been in full-time ministry the entire time that we've been married as a pastor, teacher, administrator, Jean's shared in all that. And then in addition to that, she'd been children's worship teacher and children's worship leader and, and kids' uh, church secretary and all different kinds of other things. Now, I have heard people speak before, and I've spoken with people who said, well, before we had our children, we sat down and we discussed it and we, we researched children and we read books about children and we wrote down how we were going to raise our kids. I never did any of that. I thought, I thought those were really smart people that they did that. We never did anything like that. Uh, uh, we, did, we had children. The advantage that we had is that Gene and I both had good examples in our parents. Uh, our families were different. You know, there was probably a little bit more a little bit more yelling and spanking going on in my family than in Gene's family. My mom did the yelling, my dad did the spanking. Gene's uh, family, not so much like that. Her dad was gone a lot. He worked away from home six months out of the year, so her mom was the leader in discipline. Uh, and, and I realized that our families weren't necessarily like your family is. Uh, is. How does that apply? Thank you, sir. How does that apply? Uh, your family, other, you know, broken families, blended families, all those kinds of things. Well, the, the, um, uh, the principles that I'm going to talk to you today about will be the, are the same. Now, the application of those principles might be a little bit different. Go back. We're going to start with a passage of Scripture this morning, but go back, if you will, uh, to some of the discussions we had a couple of weeks ago where we started talking about mutual submission in the family. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, said we had to, in a family, we have to all submit to one another. Then he made application to that, specifically to the wife. He said, wives, submit yourself to your husbands as to the Lord. Then he said to the husbands, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Then he gets into parents and children. Same subject, different chapter, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 starts like this, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Children are commanded to obey their parents because it's the right thing to do because God has placed children in charge because that's the way God designed things because children cannot make good decisions for themselves. Now, of course, when they're babies, that's certainly true. When they're one, two, three, four, five, and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so forth, uh, they get smarter and smarter, right? And parents learn to gradually let them make more and more and more decisions on their own. But Scripture very clearly says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's the right thing in the sight of God. I don't think I need to do a word study on what obey means, right? It means somebody tells you to do something and you do it. You do it when they tell you to do it. Obedience to parents is essential to the well-being of children and to their relationship to God. It's important for children that they obey their parents. Obedience is essential to the parents, to the sanity of the parents. Obedience is essential to society. 
uh, you know, society can't function unless there's some obedience. I'm going to refer a little bit today, by the way, to, to this uh, book right here. Uh, I just decided to bring it up here and show it to you by uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. It's called 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. Rules, by the way, are an antidote to chaos. Uh, that always compliment the author on the cover of a book. Quote from the New York Times calls Dr. Peterson the most influential public intellectual in the Western Hemisphere right now. Doctor, I have to tell you this, this is my disclaimer. I'm not saying that I agree with everything that Dr. Peterson has ever written, because I've never read a lot of what he's written, just a little bit of this book right here. But what he says about kids is pretty good, so I'm going to share some of that with you. Dr. Peterson was asked, according to Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is always right about everything, doc, Dr. Peterson was asked, are you a Christian? He said, yes. He said, I say, have to say yes, but not in the traditional sense. You'll understand that. The second question was asked, Dr. Peterson, do you believe there is a God? He said, no understand why he's not a Christian in the traditional sense of the word. Uh, do you believe in God? He said, no, but I'm afraid there is a God. <laughs> well, you know, what, you know what that said to me is that people love Jesus. Even people that don't, not sure there's a God or not, they love Jesus and they love the things that Jesus had to say. So he was, he identified himself with Jesus, but wasn't sure that there's a God. And so I, I give you that, I, I say some things about that, uh, these 12 rules for life, by the way, uh, we're going to be working on rule number five. Rule number one is stand up straight with your shoulders back. Uh, he may be uh, a, 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 an intellectual that doesn't believe in God, but he, he is not politically correct, I can tell you that. Rule number two is treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. Rule number three is make friends with people who want the best for you. Rule number four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to someone else today. Rule number five, what we're going to be looking at today, don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Now, Connor, my grandson's favorite chapter, favorite rule, and then I'm going to put the book down. Rule number 11, do not bother children when they're skateboarding. So I, I'll have to take a look at that and see exactly what that's about. But, but Peterson says this, Dr. Peterson says this, Parents are the arbiters of society. They teach children how to behave so that other people will be able to interact meaningfully and productively with them. Parents stand between children and society, and their primary job, according to Dr. Peterson, I have a little bit different view on this, is, is to get their children ready to deal with the reality of society. Children, obey your parents. It has to be that way in the Lord for this is right. Verse 2, honor. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The word honor carries with it the ideas of respect your parents, revere your parents, hold your parents in high esteem, while obey ends with adulthood or the establishment of a new family. You know, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, while obey ends when the new family is started, honor is a lifetime commitment. Honor for the rest of your life, for all of your life. Revere, respect, hold in high esteem 
your parent. They no longer tell you what to do in everything. And not the, not the way it should be. But you should honor, respect, and revere them. And there's a promise attached to this commandment, which the Apostle Paul gives in verse 3. And this, of course, is, comes from the Old Testament. Paul brings it into the New Testament. So that it may go well with you. Honor your, your, your father and your mother. First commandment with promise. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, because you honor your parents just not automatically mean you're going to live to be 100 and everything's going to go well in your life. That's not what this is about. There's a general principle that obedience fosters self-discipline, which in turn brings stability and longevity in life. Stated from in the converse, an undisciplined person probably is not going to make it as long in life as a disciplined person will. A lot of examples of that is certainly true in the Old Testament. The interesting thing here, though, is that, uh, that this promise, though made to Israel in the Old Testament, and not all promises made to Israel transfer to us. We need to keep that clear, but this promise does. The Apostle Paul himself brought it into the New Testament, and the principle still holds today Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. I'll say again, according to the teachings of Jesus and the apostles, the law and the prophets were done away with. But every one of the Ten Commandments is repeated in the New Testament with the exception of remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Different subject. Move on to verse for. So it's good for children and good for society when we follow God's commandments and teach children to obey and honor. Verse 4, fathers. And by the way, I think we could say parents here. Uh, fathers are addressed as the, the representative governmental head of the family and the one responsible. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, parents, do not exasperate. Most translations of Scripture say don't provoke them to anger or to wrath. The word seems to refer to discouraging children. Don't discourage your children by unreasonable demands, petty rules, favoritism, perhaps harshness, perhaps inconsistency, you know, where you make a rule and you, you, you enforce the rule here, but you don't enforce it here, and you don't enforce it here, and then boom, you drop the hammer on them again over here. Instead of that, what are parents supposed to do instead of exasperating their children? Instead, the latter part of that verse says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, the Lord is to be the center of their relationships and of their teaching and of their learning. It's all supposed to be about God. So I want to give you a few principles that Gene and I have learned about raising children over the years. They're not unique. I borrow from all kinds of people. I'm going to borrow some from Dr. Peterson uh, this morning. By the way, Dr. Peterson is a clinical a Canadian clinical psychologist who's uh, taught at Harvard and the University of Toronto, and now I just think he makes so much money writing books, he just uh, does that. But some principles for raising children. Here's the number one principle. Put God first in everything. Well, I, why do you start there all the time? If you're around here, why do you start there all the time? Because it's the beginning point of everything. You've heard me say that that is the key to long-term long success in everything. 
It's the focus. Put God first in everything is the focus of bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's what Jesus was talking about when he was once asked, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And we, we read this all the time too, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, here's the number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, because we remember also the second is right in there with it, love your neighbor as yourself. So how do I do that? How do I, what does it look like if I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind? What does it look like if I bring them up in the, in the training and instruction of the Lord? Well, first of all, it starts with this. My top priority. This is where I might disagree just a little bit with Dr. Peterson, by the way. My top priority as a parent is to love God. My top priority is not to teach my kids to love God. We'll get to that in a minute. My top priority is to love God myself. I just say that because your kids can see right through you. If you're a phony, they know it. They know it better than anybody else on this planet knows it. And so that's the reason I say my top priority as a parent is to love God myself. My primary task is not to make my children happy. My primary task as a parent is not to supply my children with every convenience. My primary job as a parent is not to pay my kids way through college or even be sure they make it through college. My primary task is to love God first and foremost. How do I learn to love God? Well, I include him in everything, in every conversation, in every decision, in every activity. I spend time with God. He's always around. I spend time with God by talking to him and listening to him and reading uh, from him and about him. I thank him continually for all the good things in my life, realizing that every good thing I have comes from God. I cry out to him when I hurt. I spend time not only with him but with his people in gatherings like this and house groups and other sorts of, of Christian gatherings. I help others in his name. That doesn't mean I just shout, in the name of Jesus, I give you this dollar. Uh, I meant I just look around and I see people who are in need and I help them because Jesus has helped me. So my, my top priority as a parent is to love God myself because I can't teach anybody else to love God if I don't really love him myself. But that leads us to number two. After I have learned to love God, my second priority is to teach my children to love God. The first priority under that is for them to love God enough to receive Jesus as their Savior and to live eternally with me and with him. Right? That's, that's the second priority. Then teaching them that God has a plan for your life. And that teaching can't be left to Sunday mornings at church or kids' worship or anything of that nature. Your children need to hear you talk to God. They need to hear you talk about God and what God wants. They need to see you include God in every phase of your life. You can't just sit them down one time and say, around here we believe in God. Got that? Okay, let's go on about our lives. Do it over and over and over and over and over again make it real. Children will imitate your good example as well as your bad example. And by the way, sometimes, don't take me wrong here, but sometimes our children can be placed too high in our list of priorities. 
Now, I'm not saying that you can love your children too much. I don't believe you can. But we can sometimes put our children above God. And that doesn't work in the long run for you or for them either. Now, to help you evaluate whether or not you put your children above God, I'll give you two questions. I've given you these before, but you don't remember, so it's okay. Number one is this. Do my children see our church as our primary community? Or is it just a place we go when we feel like it every once in a while? The answer to that question, what does it say to your children? Does it say, ah, the church will be there when we need it? As long as we don't have something more important, we'll go. And I'm going to tell you that the church is God's institution on earth for the family, for worshiping, for serving, for everything. No other organization on the planet even comes close. The family came first. The church came next. Here's the second question. First question, do my children see our church as our primary community? The second question is, do I fear the disapproval of my kids more than the disapproval of God? Now, I've never been rejected my, by my children. Uh, my oldest son, you know, who's not around here right now, lives in the Memphis area, has told me, I don't like you anymore. I don't love you anymore. When he was little. That's kind, but you go ahead and do what I told you to do anyhow. I don't care whether you like me or whether you don't like me. So I, I don't, but I knew he wasn't rejecting me. He's just a mad kid, that's all. Uh, but I would imagine that being rejected by a child is right up there with the most painful thing that could ever happen to a human being. But how many of us fear our children so much that we allow ourselves to become slave to their whims and their appetites. We abdicate our own life and leave everything just for them. Keep following me if you will. If you lovingly lead your children to love and serve God, they will not reject you. They will love you. If, I'm going to say that again, if you lovingly lead your children to love and to serve God, they will not reject you. They will love you. If you let them rule, they will lose respect for you. Now, I had fun with my kids. Every afternoon that I could get home, when they got old enough, we lived out in the country, I played football and basketball and everything in the world I could uh, with them. But if you let children rule, they will lose respect for you. A couple of quotations from Dr. Peterson. He says this, children are damaged. Children are damaged when those charged with their care afraid of any conflict or upset, no longer dare to correct them and leave them without guidance. Children are damaged when they rule. Another quotation, if a child, this, well, this one scares me, by the way. Is this guy right about this? Not 100%. Uh, but let me read it to you. He says, if a child has not been taught to behave properly by the age of four, four, if a child has not been 
taught to behave properly by the age of four, it will, be, it will forever be difficult for him or her to make friends. Now, I look around in this group, and I, I, know, your, I know the background of some of you. I've seen some grow up. And I know you didn't have the best background. I know you didn't have the best parents and, you know, thing, you weren't in the best situation. And I've seen you turn out well. So is that a 100% rule there? No, it isn't. But probably generally true. Probably generally true. Because those first five years, they're so important. You know, if you can, if you can win the battle in the first five years, the next however many years of their life works a lot better. The first five years is pretty important. So if your children are going to grow up to be the men and women, the husbands and wives, the servants of God, the responsible citizens and good adult children that, that they should be, then you have to win their hearts for God when they're young. Number two. Teach your children honor mother and father. Well, that's earth-shattering, right? That's, that's commandment number five of the Big Ten Commandments that we're no longer under, but it's the one that Paul repeated in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's read that again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. Easy to get a point there, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. This is extremely important because if children don't honor you, they won't honor God and they won't honor anybody else that is honorable. They have to honor you first. Honoring their mother is the way that boys learn to honor and respect women and become real men. Now my two sons, Brad and Todd, will both each testify that they knew when they were growing up, they knew they had to respect their mother or else. We wouldn't have a lot of or else rules, but, but if they sassed their mother or if they disrespected their mother, they were in big, big, big trouble, as big a trouble as they could be in. They remembered, too, that I honored their mother. You know, I didn't demand they do something that I didn't do, but they remembered that I honored their mother. They remembered that when a decision was to be made, I always said, well, let's see what mom wants to do about this. They credit that example with the respect they have for their own wives today. And by the way, my, my two daughters-in-law are two of the greatest women on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. If a man teaches his sons to honor their mother, they will honor him as well. And when a boy truly learns to honor his mother, he will grow up honoring women rather than being drawn into the pit of sexual consequences, uh, conquest and, and pornography that ruins the life of so many young men and old men, too. Boys need to speak respectfully to both parents, but I think they need to treat their mom with special deference. Todd, you know, taught Connor over the years. Connor opens the door for his mom and for his sister, by the way. Uh, is that just a meaningless act, or is that an important practical lesson. I think it's an important practical lesson. I still open the door for Jean when I can get around there before she gets out, you know, of the car and things of that nature. Uh, because it, it, it's, it's a good object lesson. We need to see things. We need to touch things. We need to do things to make them concrete. And that's one of the, re one of the ways you learn to respect. Daughters, of course, 
need to respect both parents. But daughters, I think, especially need love and respect as a female. They need to be loved and respected as a girl from an early age. They must have a strong and loving and respectful relationship with their dad so that they don't seek that love and acceptance someplace else. In this way, young girls grow into women who respect themselves and respect God and demand respect from others. So teach your children honor mother and father. Here's number three. Third principle, establish and enforce guidelines. This is about discipline. <clears throat> I could, you know, pro I probably have too much material here. I may have to quit before this is over with, but establish and enforce guidelines. It's really difficult <clears throat> to be consistent with establishing and enforcing guidelines. You know why? Because it's just inconvenient a lot of times. Because if Johnny Jr. gets punished, Mom and dad are punished right along with him, right? It's just so easy. Just let him do whatever he wants to do, then I can do whatever I want to do. That's the problem. Let me just say this to you. Guidelines are things we do and things we don't do. And kids need to know, yes, we do this, we don't do that. And if we do this, we get praised. And if we do that, that we're not supposed to do, there are consequences. And so enforcement is what we sometimes call discipline, positive and negative, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. A lot of parents don't discipline consistently because they're afraid their kids won't love them. I'm going to bring this up again. And it's true that if you enforce the rule, they're not going to like it. And they're going to let you know a lot of times they don't like it, but they're going to love you later. When your children are young, your primary job is not to be their friend and their buddy, and they don't have to think you're cool. They will when they're real little. If you discipline them now, you can be their friend later. And later is longer. You know, later lasts a long time. Your adulthood could, not always, but the adulthood could last a whole lot longer. I can attest to that. I'm still a dad. I haven't had a child in my house for a long time, but I'm still a dad, and it's different now. Uh, you know what I really like? I really like it when Brad and Todd invite me to do things with them. They're adult men. They have their, they have, Brad has five kids, Todd has two. But I really like it when they invite me to do stuff with them. I don't ask or desire that all the time. I respect the fact that they like to be alone. They don't like to have me around all the time. They like to do things with their family. But when they invite me to do something, hey, why don't you come over to my house and watch the Super Bowl? Why don't we go this, do this together or do that together? I look forward to it, and I consider it to be one of the greatest privileges on the earth because they still like me, and it's been a really long time. When you discipline your children, and they break the rules, and you will have to enforce the rules if you have rules, figure out, if you can, how you can side with them, how to be as positive as possible with stuff. Reading, I don't just read that. I read a little bit from Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley and his wife like to use the term, oh no, oh no, oh no. There's going to be consequences for that. Oh no, you're going to have to apologize for that. Oh no, oh, no. we're going to have to pay back for that. You know, oh, I'm on your side with this, but oh no, there's consequences for what you did. Now, Gene and I never use those words, but, but, but we always try to express to our children, we love you. 
and we want what's best for you. But now, even though we don't like it, we have no choice but to discipline you, punish you. When our kids are disobedient, too often we respond with anger. Why did you do that? You have embarrassed me in front of the whole neighborhood. You know that kind of stuff? Uh, that's not the right, it doesn't make any difference. That's not the important part of it. Uh, it's just, oh no, I love you more than anybody else on the planet. Oh no, now, now it's something that I don't want to happen is going to have to happen. Be creative. Try to make the punishment fit the crime. Not just, you're grounded for the rest of your life. No, they're not. They know that, you know. But that's the kind of thing we say. Well, how far? How far do you go with discipline? Here's a couple of just rules to start with. Uh, number one is that rules are good. Okay? Rules are good. It's a good thing to have rules. You have to have rules. Uh, rules are different from uh, when you're six months old and two years old and six years old and 16 years old. Rules change. Uh, rules do not inhibit the creativity of a child. I respect Dr. Peterson on this. He says scientific literature clearly indicates that strict limitations facilitate rather than inhibit creative achievement. Rules are good. They're good for creativity and everything else. Here's the second thing. All children are sinners. And they will test the rules for their own pleasure. I don't care how much you love your little one, he or she will test the rules for their own pleasure. Just because they want to be in charge. And one more thing, children are, they, they differ dramatically. You can look at some children and they will melt, give them the look. You say one word to them and boy, they just fall apart. And then some of them will look back at you and dare you to enforce the rules, right? When I was raising, when we were raising our kids, Dr. James Dobson was the man, you know, on radio and television, everything like that. And he used to tell this story about this couple who took their darling little four or five-year-old girl to a basketball game. And they took her to the basketball game. They're going to have family fun together. And they, they started at the court and they said, you see this really wide line here? They play basketball on that side of the line, so we don't go over there. We can come right up to the line, but we don't go over the line, okay, honey? Mm -hmm, yes, okay. So then the couple, they went up to their seat. About the time they got sat down, what did she do? Darling little four or five year old going plump, 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 plump. Got right on the line, looked up at mom and dad and put her foot over the line. What was she saying to them? Let's see who's in charge around here, Daddy-O. Let's see who, who's going to win this battle, Mom. She smiled. She was so cute. Stay with me for a minute. You know that verse in the Bible that says, spare the rod and spoil the child? You know that verse? It, it isn't there, by the way. That's not, that's not a verse from the Bible. Uh, but uh, we think it is a lot of times. That's just takeoffs from verse in the Bible. Here is a verse that's in the Bible. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. We're not talking about corporal punishment here. The rod means a stick. <clears throat> that's kind of the ultimate, ultimate punishment. But 
the idea here is that parents who love their children discipline them. And parents who just let them kid, their kids do anything hate their children. If you fail to discipline your children, nobody wants to be around those kids. And when they grow up, then they're really going to be disciplined. Because they're going to face the, the harshness of this world that will beat them up. Because they didn't learn anything when they were kids. Proverbs 23, 13 says this, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. They're going to cry like they're, they're dying. I'm, again, I'm not talking about corporal punishment here. You do anything. And they are going to scream and holler like you have just ended the world for them. Not true. Not true. Should you ever strike a child use corporal punishment? We'll talk about that in a minute. Proverbs 19.18 says this, Discipline your children, for in that there's hope. Do not be a willing part to their death. Party to their death. Uh, we think, well, maybe, maybe everything will turn out. I hope everything's going to turn out right. You know, no hope in that. But proper guidance, that's where the hope for children is. Now, you know what? I knew I was had too much to say today, and I rarely, rarely, rarely ever do this, but I'm going to quit before I'm finished today. And then I'm going to finish it next Sunday morning. All right? And here's where we're going to start next Sunday morning. Five principles for enforcing the rules. Okay? Five principles. And, get, and maybe we'll only go for 15 minutes next Sunday, and everybody get out early. Okay? Because we have the 2.30 thing. But... I'm not, you know, I don't want to shorten it because nothing is more important than raising your children. Nothing. No, there are no people on this planet that are more important to you than your children. Now, I may have said something somewhere along the day, you know, you were taken back by it. Uh, understand, understand that I think your children are the most important people in the world to you. All wait for eternity. Your parent, I think. We'll discuss that a little bit. But for right now, would you just think about the things, the principles that we that we have talked about? Uh, put God first. Teach your children. Put God, that you know. If you can do that, everything else kind of falls in place. Teach your children to honor their mother and their father set and enforce limits we're going to we got in the middle of that we're going to get back to it next sunday but for now let's just pray together father you honor us you bless us when you give us children no matter how long we have those children on this planet no matter how long we can spend with them you blessed us we're they're ours and we're theirs for eternity. And would you guide us in seeing how important it is to love you first, put you first, and then let everything else fall into place.